Hello and welcome to the Hoops Promise Podcast. I am Adam Shalafu, and today we're running, uh, I guess, like the box in one, uh, maybe a two-two zone, kind of, kind of hard. We're, we're playing uh, maybe two on two. We we got uh, two people out west. We got two people in the Midwest. So before we get started, I'll uh, just introduce everybody as, as normal. We got Kurt Schroeder on the line. Uh, we got Brandon Blakeney and Brandon. You were a game time decision. You you've had a very busy week, but you were a go. You were a goer. Locked in. I'm ready to go, y'all. All right, all right. And then we got uh, Matt Zimmer. Uh, Matt, you were a coog, uh, and and that's very exciting because so is Clay Thompson. And this podcast loves Clay Thompson. Absolutely, yeah. Clay Thompson is a guy. Even uh, even if I'm not a full on Golden State guy, I'll, I'll always root for Clay wherever he ends up, and hopefully he's in Golden State for a long time. And, and you are a full-on Golden State guy. Well, I'm a I'm a Trailblazer fan first, just because mostly grew up uh, after third grade, all all in Portland. So been Trailblazers pretty much since the Brandon Roy days. Okay, okay. And we'll be talking a lot of Trailblazers today. We'll be talking some Miami Heat. We'll be talking about the Indiana Pacers rebuild. And at the end of the show, uh, per usual, Kurt and I will provide our power rankings. But first. Let's talk a little bit about Symbol. Symbol is kind of like the stock market for sports fans. You can invest in your team, and uh, by doing that, you can make some some bread. And so it's a real cool thing they got going with Symbol. And we have a special deal if you want to get involved. And it's pretty simple. All you got to do is go to www.simbull.com to create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, that's for Sports Drink, our partners, to make your deposit risk-free. You can visit symbol.com and use that promo code SD, and uh, that risk-free deposit means that if you lose money, they will refund you, no questions asked, and you can uh, get going on that. Super exciting stuff. Uh, now let's jump right in because we do have a lot to get to and we'll start with uh, the Ben Simmons situation. Matt, I know you got a lot to say about this as a Portland Trailblazer uh, fan, but these are really talking points. Me and Kurt have been on since, geez, Kurt, what do you think? Like July, September, we've been talking about how he'd be a good fit in Portland for a long time. And now it looks like it could happen. Yeah, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, it's been a back and forth thing for a lot of Portland fans. You know, it started out with, okay, well, we're willing to trade CJ. We don't really want to see Dame go because obviously Dame's been the more consistent player throughout his time with the Blazers. CJ's had more injury problems, but now Dame's having the injury problems. And there was all the talk early in the offseason of, oh, well, the Blazers are willing to trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons. But the Sixers were under the impression that the Blazers would give up Dame Willard that was never going to happen. So it's been a lot of contentiousness amongst the Blazer fandom, especially because Ben Simmons seems like he's afraid to play offense and they would be bringing him mostly in to play defense and do anything in that regard. The problem becomes what are the Blazers willing to give up if anything? And what are the Sixers willing to compromise on to give up Ben Simmons who isn't even playing for them right now? Right now, just on its face, I think that Ben Simmons would fit really well alongside uh, Damian Lillard. Lillard's a guy who can play either guard position. It would be kind of weird to have a point guard so much bigger than the shooting guard, but 
Uh, I think right. that you could totally just move him over to that small forward position. You got so much better defensively. Uh, would you be okay with like a McCollum for Ben Simmons straight up? I mean, the money checks out on that. That was what I was trying to push as a fan. I mean, obviously I don't have any pull in the organization, but you know, I was trying to make that argument of they, they fit so well in terms of if you swap them one for one, Ben Simmons immediately comes in, shores up a lot of the defense, whether he takes the place of, of Robert Covington or they move uh, Norman Powell to the bench. And then he comes off as the main sixth man. They, there were so many options to make it work right away or move Norman to the shooting guard next to Dame put Robert on the bench. It all was just a very interesting dynamic that I thought was, I don't want to say foolproof, but it made sense for both teams. You slide CJ right into the shooting guard or even maybe point guard if they're, if uh, Philadelphia wants to play with that, but he's a shooter around Joel Embiid. It's worked out with Seth Curry. I think it would work out with CJ. Whenever Damian Lillard's not on the floor for Portland, usually CJ's running the point unless they really want to let Anthony Simons run things because he's young and they're trying to develop him. So it made sense on paper. I completely agree with you. It would have made the most sense in the world for both teams to immediately improve. And you don't see trades in the NBA or anywhere really in sports where both teams come out saying, hey, this this worked out better on paper and everybody seems happy with the move. The only person who may not be happy with it is CJ because he and Dame were best friends and still seem to be but there seems to be some contentiousness in the news side of things but both of them seem to have a pretty good relationship when they've talked to the media about their relationship we'll just have to see if that ever changes or if things change if finally some type of trade does transpire yeah i couldn't agree more especially with the fit in philadelphia it just makes way more basketball sense for both organizations i think that joel Embiid is a fine shooter i think he's a very good shooter but at the same time he's not someone who's going to set up his own look from the outside as well as mm-hmm. each shooting guard like CJ McCollum and the Sixers, even though they're not coached by Doc Rivers, you've seen a certain formula develop the these last few years and they're doing that really well with Seth Curry. And I think you add more shooting around Embiid and then even Embiid's a guy who's going to miss some games. Then you have shooting around Andre Drummond. And so it seems to make basketball sense. And then the Blazers, their big issue has been defense for, geez, since this whole uh, Splash Bros. Jr. thing started a few years ago uh, where, where they got two guys stretching the defense that way. So, yeah, I think it would be a brilliant move. What, what do you guys think? I mean, honestly, I feel like Ben Simmons right now would be better suited at the four. Okay. Being used as more of like a Draymond Green type hybrid with his versatility, still being able to be that point forward um, staple that they could use. I, I think that the Blazers could use somebody else on the wing, though, at the three to kind of open things up because Dame and CJ pretty much dominate the ball majority of the time. I think they need somebody else that can create their own shot. Ben Simmons obviously helps with the defensive side of things. But um, I don't know if I if I swap out Dame's backcourt mate for Ben Simmons. I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze in that situation. Interesting way to put it. Interesting. What do you think, Kurt? Oh, I mean, first of all, like the reason we're talking about this is because Jake Fisher contributes to Bleacher Report had a report out today that Damian Lillard is interesting in playing with a more defensive oriented wing. So the the names that were mentioned were Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, and Aaron Gordon. Obviously, Simmons is the one who's kind of more on the market than those other two. Right. But it, it's it's interesting because I read the initial trade proposal 
Um, and I don't know how legitimate it was, but it was CJ to the Sixers plus four, uh, four first round picks for Ben Simmons. Now that was when Simmons had more value. Well, that's this- silly. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, first of all, but especially now because Simmons's value is just, I mean, he's a depreciating asset. Exactly. If he's not bringing anything to the Sixers and they're playing games without him, you can't get maximum value in return for him. But just looking at why it would fit, and I don't want to get too extreme here, but the Blazers are second to last in defensive efficiency each of the last two years. So obviously mm-hmm. they need to get better on that end of the ball. They've made the playoffs eight times in a row, no finals appearances, one Western conference final appearance, five first round exits, haven't won a title since 77. So like, although you need superstars and stars to win games, clearly it hasn't been working since they brought in CJ and Damian. And I just feel like the, the clock has kind of run out on that duo. You know, are they going to be better off if you ship one or the other out of town? I don't know. Do you even get Simmons to play ball? And is he even motivated to play for the Blazers if you bring him in? I also don't know. But clearly what has been going on isn't working. So is it mutually beneficial? It appears so on paper. Can you get everyone's egos to be in check and get everyone to play to their maximum potential if you do make a swap there? And obviously, if you're Portland, don't give up four first-round picks in the process. That also remains to be seen. So on paper, I, I like it. Will it work out or will it even happen? I don't know. But I feel like if you're Portland, you got to kind of blow it up to a certain extent. And I feel like if you bring in Ben Simmons, it kind of keeps him afloat, buys a little bit more time for him, especially too, because Lillard just requested, what is it, $107 million over the next two years, starting in 2024 for a new extension for him. So I don't know how big the window is. I don't know if it's open. I don't know if it's closed, but... Blazers aren't getting a lot of free agents. Any, I, I can't think of a major free agent move that they've had. So they need to do something. The the big thing I want to make sure I bring up real quick on that $107 million extension that was reported by Woj. Um, this is going to sound a little homery, but just bear with me for a second while I explain kind of the background of it all. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski wrote a piece on ESPN Plus about Dame and you know him being a big problem for the Blazers organization in terms of him wanting this extension for, you know, two years, 107 million, like Kurt mentioned. And the biggest, the biggest problem that I saw with the piece, because reading it, it sounds like Neil O'Shea wrote the post through Woj because uh, the big thing that a lot of us in the Portland media knew kind of through Woj's reporting specifically about the Blazers is that it was coming directly from Neil O'Shea. Neil was his big source in the Blazers organization. So now what is it, four days later, however many days it's been since Neil O'Shea was fired by the organization for workplace misconduct and not following the Blazers' uh, code of conduct as an organization. All of a sudden, Woj comes out with this article about Dame is a problem and Dame's been in the way and Dame's causing issues that the organization can't move past. And this quote-unquote extension that he wants is, is one of the big reasons that a GM search will be successful or not. And to me, it just read like, Where's Woj coming from with it? Why is Woj coming out with this now? This seems, and I'm again, I understand how it might sound, but to me, Lillard has always been more honest in the media than Neil O'Shea ever was. And that includes the fact that during the offseason, O'Shea said that the reason the Blazers struggled on defense was, quote, not a construct of the roster, which he's responsible for creating. So he passed all the blame off to Terry Stotts and, oh, look, Chauncey Billups is here. I understand first-year head coach, but Chauncey is here, and the defense is just as bad. Yeah, yeah, they're 26th right now in 
uh, terms of points allowed, 111.3. And it seems like the defense did tighten up. I think that might just be um, maybe a side effect of not coming out of that weird pandemic season. Like people had training camps, more of an attention to detail on that end. And I think we're seeing some of that. Um, But yeah, you know, if I'm the Blazers, like the last thing I'm wanting to do is get rid of Damian Lillard. And it's not just a basketball reason. It's a marketing reason. This guy's got an unbelievable brand in a small market. That's something that's very hard to accomplish. And he's a generational skill, obviously. Like that goes without saying, you know, you can make a a case that he's going to finish a top 10 shooter of all time. Um, And I'm just kind of writing down in some of my notes here. There's two different lineups I could see coming together if they did uh, make that trade that is primarily CJ for Ben Simmons. One would be Dame at the one, Powell at the two, Rocco at the three, Simmons at the four, Nurkic at the five. And then the other would be Ben at the one, Dame at the two, Powell at the three, Rocco at the four, uh, Nurkic at the five. But then there's also like Nurkic is a guy with injury problems and you can look, kind of look at what, teams like the Charlotte Hornets and the Chicago Bulls are doing right now. Sometimes you create a huge matchup problem when you have a five that can get out and run. So I'm going to go ahead and put my mad scientist hat on and say, you run Ben Simmons at the five. If Nurkic is missing time, because that's someone who can rebound the the ball uh, 10 times a game. And you're going to be able to do some of the same things that the Denver Nuggets do. You're not going to be able to stretch the floor in the same way. Cause obviously Simmons can't shoot like Jokic. But there's something to be said about having an elite passing big man. And you're, you see that with teams like uh, Bam Adebayo or uh, the Chicago Bulls with Nikola Vucevic and Jokic, really the best that's ever done that. But I think in an age where versatility's never been more important, Ben Simmons, in a weird way, because he's not a super versatile player, he makes Portland more versatile. 100%. And Kurt also brought up Aaron Gordon is one of the, the things that Jake Fisher had mentioned. And the Blazers were in on the Aaron Gordon trade last season. And then he obviously signed an extension with the Nuggets. Uh, Gordon was so close to coming to Portland, according to multiple reports, and including Jake Fisher back in April. But the problem was the Blazers were never willing to trade their backup point guard, Anthony Simons. And that's a product of Neil O'Shea's ego getting in the way. When he drafted Simons, he was coming out of IMG Academy and then Simon's the next year or two years, I can't remember which one it was exactly, but he touted Simon's as maybe the best draft pick he ever made ahead of Lillard. And everyone went, are you insane? Exactly. And so he was so unwilling to trade Simon's who has developed a little bit, but he's still at best a backup point guard. And if they would not, they were not willing to trade Anthony Simons, who still hasn't proven he can be a superstar of any sort. Not that Aaron Gordon is a superstar, but he has solidified himself as much better than a backup point guard. So this whole conversation could be an even different one of having it be Dame Powell, Aaron Gordon, Ben Simmons, and Yoke, and Nurkic, unless, you know, like you mentioned, Nurkic had some injury issues. But this could have been a whole different conversation and maybe the Blazers don't get knocked out last year to a still undermanned Nuggets team, even though they did have Aaron Gordon. Yeah. And the reason I don't talk too much about the Aaron Gordon thing is 
the Nuggets love him. You know, like oh, yeah, he's not I, going anywhere. Exactly. Like I, I don't think that even deserves too much attention at this point. It's a missed opportunity for sure. Because how do you not give up? Like I, I don't, I don't see it in Anthony Simons. A lot of, a lot of people uh, really like him. I mean, I, I enjoy his game. He's explosive. He's good at with the second unit. And we gotta remember, fellas, he's still what twenty years old, sure. twenty one years old. Like there's, there's still some upside there, but I don't think the right decision was to hold on to him. But if that's one of your guys, you think he can be a cornerstone of this uh, Portland Trailblazers organization, especially if they're talking about how unhappy Dame is in this situation right now with the coach. And, and I love Mr. Big Shot. Chauncey Billups is a guy, he's a player's coach. He knows the game. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, defense is about effort. And you just don't see that a lot in Portland. They love to score the ball, but they don't have any dogs on the defensive end that are just going to come in there and lock their man up. I will say there is one dog because Chicago is like, you know, uh, basically an animal shelter and that it just provides you with dog after dog after dog. And that's uh, Robert Covington, man. Covington's the tough. Least. He, Covington's tough. I like Covington. <laughs> and he's been a defensive three and D specialist since he's been in the league. Yeah. I like Covington a lot. And I think what's interesting about the – Covington situation is even though there's different management, that guy was a staple in Philadelphia. And I'm sure that and, and if I'm the Sixers, I'm saying, okay, because, well, I don't, I don't think uh, that uh, Kurt, I was texting you about this the other week. I'm drawing a blank on, on the guy's name, uh, the, the GM for the, the Sixers right now, Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey. Yeah. yeah. And I was saying, I think he's overrated. Because he doesn't realize when he has a depreciating asset, right? But right now, if I'm Daryl Morey, here's the way I'm approaching this situation. Okay, give me CJ McCollum, star power for star power, and give me Robert Covington so I can get some defense. Because you're losing a lot with Simmons, but they also have to realize, like, that's like having a turkey in the freezer. Like, you got you to gotta defrost it. <laughs> Like that's not that's not ready to cook. <laughs> like it's completely different than having fresh meat. You know, like this dude hasn't picked up a bat. I'm sure he's been playing. He's been playing, but like he hasn't played in an NBA game in a minute. And it's not like his stock is going to rise because he's going to have some monster game. So I think that that is the most actually that they can even ask for because the math checks out with Simmons for McCollum. Now I'm going to add. Uh, Covington into that trade and that guy's commanding nine million and so at that point then you have to get a little bit more creative I don't know exactly what that would look like because I don't think the Sixers are going to want to let up a guy like Seth Curry uh he's the easy guy to make that math work he's worth eight mil but Georges Niang if he's willing to waive that no trade clause or uh Firkin Korkmaz those are guys who could potentially make something work it wouldn't be as simple as a straight up swap, but these NBA GMs, they know how to make the math work. Well, Covington doesn't have if a If they ton really of value. wanted to get it done, it can do it. Yeah, exactly. Co- I mean, Covington doesn't have a ton of value at this point. He's playing terribly this year, um, under 40% from the field, six points a game, and he's in the last year of his deal. So you know, I, I don't know if that's something that the Sixers would want to package. But yeah, if you're all in on this year and you need some defense, I would definitely go that route. I don't know. Like, Portland, I hate to say it, I, I don't know if they can ever win a title. 
Like you're not bringing in free agents. You have to build through the draft. You did through, you know, you did that through the draft and drafting Lillard and McCollum, and they just haven't been healthy in the front court. So like the Aaron Gordon move certainly would have helped them. But again, it's just like, they're kind of like the Utah jazz. You just have to develop and draft well and just pray for the best. Well, Portland had a pretty like, good uh, chance in 1984 when they had the second overall pick of locking up some championships. <laughs> or, or 2007. Sure. I mean, oh, Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, man, those got injuries killed. True, true. Yeah, we won't kick Zimmer when he's down. <laughs> the, the, biggest thing, the, the biggest thing I'll say right now is if you're building a, a basketball program around three dudes playing at the same time, they're all 6'3 or shorter, it's not going to work. I love Powell. I love Lillard. I love McCollum. You can't have all three of them at the same time. They can't defend anybody anyway, and their height doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Now, let's before we move on, let's touch a little bit. And the reason I don't want to go too crazy is I just don't see it happening. But it's more likely than the Aaron Gordon thing, even though this is a much better player. Uh, but the Jer- uh, the Jalen Brown possibility, uh, that makes – I think more sense, but I just don't see the Celtics giving that up. And this is perfect because we got a, a Blazers fan and a Celtics fan. So I'll leave it to you, Kurt, you have the floor. Would you do it as a Celtics fan? If you're uh, Brad Stevens right now and get who in return, let's say you get CJ. They're not a trading hmm. game. Hell no. Yeah. Neither, neither would I, I don't want anyone. I'm with it. Kurt. I'm, I'm the Blazer fan. I would love Jalen Brown. It's not ever going to happen. I'm with you guys. Yeah. That would be a perfect fit, though. But, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Brown has way too much upside, and he's too cheap. I think that he signed, what, four years, $80 million, mm-hmm. which is like – that's a bargain at this yeah. stage. He's and a max player. He's worth a lot more than the almost $27 million he's making this year. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him healthier. You know, I got him on my fantasy team. It would be great if he was playing against the Lakers tonight when I had him getting the start, but it's okay. That's my problem, uh, not anyone else's. But I do think that, you know, potentially you might see this Tatum and Brown thing blow up, but I think that they just have to find the right piece at point guard for make, to make it work. And I think that they've been kind of going about that the wrong way. They've brought in guys who are really good scorers, like Kyrie Irving, obviously, uh, Kemba Walker, but they're kind of similar. You want somebody who's like a old school point guard, like the perfect fit. Sorry, Kurt, you can't have him, but like Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball would be a really good fit at point guard for the Celtics because he's someone who's going to lock in on defense. He can get his shots, but he's not going to uh, be necessarily score first. Um if you could just like make Peyton Pritchard better, you know, like that style's great, you know, but I just think that they need someone who is more out of like the nineties, as far as he's not looking to go get his own buckets, his whole job for that to work at its best would be running pick and roll with Horford and Williams with the current build of that team. And then setting up Brown and Tatum. The interesting thing about Jalen Brown is he's someone who can really run the point but that makes them all the more valuable. And I think it's laughable to consider moving CJ McCollum for Jalen Brown. Brown's far and away the better player. I think the, the value isn't even close. Peyton Pritchard cooked the Blazers a few nights ago. So yeah, he did. He came home and, and laid down the wood. Yeah. 19 points off the bench, five of 10 from three, the West Lynn product. 
Oregon guy. That's right. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers because I think that there is a lot to go off here. And Pacers, similar to the Blazers, but like not even nearly as good. Um, but this is not working. Maybe it would have worked a little bit longer if they didn't make the knee-jerk reaction and fire their really good head coach in Nate McMillan, who's now doing a really – oh well, he was doing a really good job last year with the Hawks. The Hawks are okay right now, but I think they'll get it together. But the big asset I'm looking at is, geez, if you move to Montes Sabonis, and frankly, if he's used more to his skill set, I think you could kind of flip the NBA on his head. I'll be honest, that's a trade I'd want to do for the Blazers. I know we're moving on to the Pacers, but just real quick, that, that trade, if I, if I was to find a way, if I, uh, the interim GM for the Blazers, uh, uh, Cronin, if he was able to find a way to sneak Tomantis Simotis into the Blazers, I don't know how he'd do it. I don't know what assets the Pacers would ask for. The Blazers, I don't know where their pick situation is because of all the movement they've done with Neil Olshay and all the picks he was always willing to, to jeopardize and throw away even though he wasn't getting free agents. Sabonis is a guy that I would want for the Blazers right here and now. I mean, I don't know that Robert Covington would be uh, would work, but he is an expiring contract, as, as Kurt mentioned earlier. So if the Pacers are looking to truly rebuild, send uh, Rocco over for Sabonis and maybe some picks or something else. But I, I, I'm surprised the Pacers want to blow it up so quick. But like you said, if they hadn't let Nate McMillan just walk out the door, send him packing, they may be in a better spot, but also – this roster construction is just as, as strange at times when you look at it from afar. You know, I think it would have to be interesting. And I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to Google trailblazers, what future picks they even have. Uh, if any of you guys can find that information, yeah, exactly. uh, that would be great. Because I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. But what I do know is that Nurkic is on the last deal, year of his deal. Sabonis is on an unbelievable, like you talk about, someone like Jalen Brown being underpaid Sabonis making under 20 million is insane to me. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the entire league, but let's say that you do Nurkic and there's some appeal to have having an expiring contract there, but let's say you do Nurkic and Larry Nance for Sabonis and then all the picks you can muster. You just, you know, turn the clock back to the early 2000s, take that number 11, slide it on baby Sabonis, and you got a legacy. It is, the fans are going to love that. And Sabonis is someone who would make the Blazers way better because all of a sudden you have an elite facilitating big man who's also a top five rebounder and someone who's a nightmare to guard in the post someone you can run the pick and roll game with, someone who's going to make uh, Damian Lillard better. I just don't know if Nurkic and Nance are worth it. I I think definitely not. And I don't know what the trailblazers would even have to offer as far as picks go. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find it. The only thing that I remember is the, the Blazers, this was the dumbest part of this trade. They traded for Larry Nance. It was part of a three-team trade. And they sent a first-round pick out. And I was like, where is this pick going? Why are we sending a first-round pick to to Chicago or Cleveland? I don't even actually know where it ended up, but you know, there's there's stuff that Neil O'Shea was doing, which you kind of looked around and thought, 
does this dude think he's getting fired? He's just blowing things up on the way out the door. And then obviously three, four, five months later, he's out the door, but I'm with you. It's, it's, it's not an easy trade to pull off if you're the Blazers trying to get it for the value that Sabonis brings. But if you're able to, to swing it, you're probably more jeopardizing your future as a long-term because Sabonis is good and he's worth trading picks for. But if you don't have many or any really to give up right now, you're talking pick swaps and all the jumbled mess that turns into. Sure. So I think you're right. I don't, I don't think he ends up in Portland. Yeah, which is a shame because he, like I said, he, he's someone who would really, really help there. Um, anyone else have any uh, thoughts before I get into some of the moves I think uh, could work? All right, I'm not seeing it. Uh, yeah, I was waiting to see if Brandon was going to chime in. But, I mean, from what I was seeing, Shams tweeted out that the Pacers are open to trading Karis LeVert, uh, Sabonis, Turner, and then there's interest from the Lakers for Jeremy Lamb. I was also reading that Sabonis is not at the top of that list. So, from what I understand, LeVert and Turner are the guys that they do want to move, and Sabonis is kind of like, okay, what's your asking price, and what are teams willing to give up for okay, that? Sure. The guy's 25 years old. And as we mentioned, like in order to win games in this league and compete for championships, you need multiple superstars. So unless you get like an outrageous haul for Sabonis, I don't even see the point in the Pacers trading him away. Having said that, if you're looking at the East and the Celtics are good, they're young. The Bucks are good and they're relatively young. The you know, Brooklyn Nets, they're older and you just got to have to wait out to see if James Harden and Kevin Durant stay there for the long term. But at this point, if you're any other team in the East, we'll talk about Miami later on. You're kind of just like treading water. You're kind of like, well, we're not going to knock off those teams, but we also don't want to fade into irrelevance. So like, how can we kind of, you know, trade some of our assets that we have for picks, take a little bit of time to develop. So maybe our windows in three to four years and, you know, like Lavert is absolutely going to be a good piece if they deal him. Miles Turner leads the league in blocks seemingly every single year. Um, from what I was reading with the, uh, the Shams report too, they're trying to build around Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Chris Duarte. So obviously if you're looking to develop those guards, you're kind of looking at maybe some front court help and there's not a lot of front court front court help on the market right now. So right. I feel like, you know, if you were to acquire some picks, that would certainly be helpful. I'm still pissed if the Celtics didn't make that move last year for Doug McDermott and Miles Turner for uh, Gordon Hayward. Apparently that was on the table and Danny Ainge said no to that, which is ridiculous because Gordon Hayward couldn't even stay healthy, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, speaking of Gordon Hayward, man, now that you guys mentioned it, fellas, me being a North Carolina native, I would love to see Miles Turner teaming up with LaMelo. I think that's all the Hornets are missing right now. Um, yeah, he with, would help a lot. He would help a lot, man. Mason Plumlee's good, but I think he's better suited as a backup center. Like you said, somebody the, the Hornets haven't had a true rim protector that could be a low post score and stretch the court like Miles Turner could do. I say if we, we put up maybe a little package together, we ship out uh, P.J. Washington and maybe a pick maybe get Gordon Hayward involved as well, man. I would love to bring Miles Turner to Charlotte and jail with these young guys we got. Interesting. Interesting. I'm on the ESPN trade machine right now. And so I'm looking at this and the tricky thing is uh, this is like we were talking about the other day, Brandon. I, I told you that yes, Gordon Hayward is overpaid. Absolutely. But I also said that they had to overpay him. 
because they were in a position where they could become a playoff team by overpaying someone who's like a B-plus player. And I think before LaMelo got there, Charlotte wasn't really an intriguing destination for big-time free agents. So um, with LaMelo there, man, I think they have a chance. They have a guard. They have a a star. I think, honestly, in my opinion, uh, forgive me if I sound like a homer, I think LaMelo is going to be a generational talent at the point guard position just based off what we've seen. I think he's going to be a guy that other players – want to play with because he is that true point guard that uh selfless guy that's going to get the ball out of his hands and make things easier for guys around him here's what i think you could do then uh you could do gordon hayward and pj washington for miles turner or tj warren and or i'm sorry miles turner and either or tj warren bring tj or harris lavert yeah bring tj back to north carolina state guy yeah yeah Yeah. we'd love to have him bring him back because then the pacers get to get worse and also as i talked about earlier it's a game of keeping the fans happy you know who's gonna love having uh, gordon hayward in indiana indiana absolutely all right this guy's a butler bulldog and he gets to go play uh, where he had some very meaningful games, obviously, throughout his college career, kind of a hometown hero. In P.J. Washington, that guy's got a really good game. He can shoot the ball really well. He's still very, very young. Doesn't have the greatest judgment in women, but we'll leave him alone on that <laughs> one. But can shoot the ball really well. Hey, athletic. he can shoot a shot. <laughs> he, he, he's a shooter on and off the court. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. No, I like P.J., man, but I think the Hornets are going to come to a decision where – they have to choose between Miles Bridges and PJ. And I think it's obviously that Miles Bridges fits that roster better and is the more ready to contribute player right now. Uh, the trade machine says that that gives the Hornets six more wins. TJ Warren is a huge injury concern right now. Uh, but, you know, may I think that you can't offer too much because Turner's I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't know what Turner's value is right now because he's someone who I think has a ton of potential, but he hasn't proven it to me. Um, I don't know. Who do you guys think is the best player in that trade? I'm taking Miles Turner, man. Gordon Hayward is probably the most skilled at this point, but he's also the most fragile. Guys made out of glass. Sure. I think Turner's still young, and like you said, he's still got a lot to prove, but the fact that he's shown us what he's shown and he's still just scratching the surface, I think it's pretty scary, man. I think playing with – he's never played with a point guard that that really could initiate the offense and make things better for him like LaMelo could do. I mean, yeah, because I was going to say, like, Brogdon can do all those things, but not to LaMelo's no. genius level. No, I think he comes in, he runs well, he moves well, he can provide that rim protection, he can shoot the ball, he's young enough to gel with this young core – and he fits a need that the that the Charlotte Hornets have desperately needed for a long time. Meanwhile, P.J. Washington, as we have mentioned, really nice player. He's actually kind of on a tear right now. He's shooting almost 50% over the last 10 games from three. He can shoot the three. Shooting 44% from three this year. This is a guy who, uh, in today's game, play five through three. Yeah. I mean, he can handle the ball. He's, he's very polished at this age, and he's still – just barely scratching the surface. I mean, he's 21 years old. I'm seeing young. 23, but yeah, oh, he's 23 young. years yeah. old. I mean, he's been in the league, what, two years? He's, he's, he's a good player, man. I think he could come in and contribute right away, especially for a team that's rebuilding. You know, you throw him out there, let him get his minutes. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a win-win. I would do, do this if I was either franchise. If I'm the Hornets, 
I'm saying let's get Karis Levert. Keep your TJ Warren. Karis um, is tough, man. He's also another injury prone guy. But true, I, I guess Karras. they're both kind of injury prone. He is, but at this stage, he's younger. And Karis Levert, man, is a lockdown defender. Like he's really good on deep. Yeah, and he's just a really good passer. And, he, and he's a guy that can create his own shot. He can get it off the dribble. I, I'm a big fan. Interesting. Interesting. Kirk, you got any thoughts on this? Uh, I'm just looking through Twitter, and CJ McCollum has a collapsed lung. Whoa. Oh, wow. Did this, did this just happen? Yeah, Shams just tweeted it out. So. Holy cow. Breaking. Portland, losing some value. Collapsed Yeah, there was some lung. news that he – there was some news earlier today. He wasn't going to make the trip to San Antonio. So there were uh, some fans on all sides of NBA Twitter going, oh, my gosh, is there a trade? Is something happening? And then it finally came out, like Kurt mentioned just now, that he's got a collapsed lung. And so he's probably going to go, oh, never mind. No trade. Cancel. Jeez. Yeah, that's not good. That is not good. Uh, let's see. All right. We got – I'll stay out of this one and so we can – show our love for democracy with a two-thirds majority uh we're, we're gonna go around and would you do this this deal if uh you're both teams the, so the deal would be gordon hayward pj washington for miles turner and tj warren uh kurt would you do it for both teams i would do it if i'm indiana or, or no sorry i would do it if i'm charlotte i don't think i'd do it if i'm indiana i need picks if i'm indiana oh yeah picks are Picks are included. It's just a matter of how many. Well, yeah. I mean, and that would change my decision one way or the other. Okay. What about you, Matt? I think that I would do it. I I, I like what Brandon was saying about the Karis LeVert instead of TJ Warren. Obviously, I don't know that Indiana would be on board with that because of his age, and he still has two years on his contract with Warren. You you can avoid a little bit of issue because he's only got one year left on his deal. So if he's out for the rest of this year, you have him as an expiring contract to get him off the books if you're Charlotte. Yeah, you sent over P.J. Washington, but you also got rid of Gordon Hayward's contract. So you can get out from under that $30 million hit. So I think I would do it. I'm with Kurt. I think it would probably take a couple picks here and there, Uh, maybe a first and a second, maybe two first, depending on, you know, where everything is from a health perspective. Uh, If if T.J. Warren's actually going to play, maybe you make it a a a conditional pick, depending on how many games or minutes he plays. But I think I'd do it. Okay. Yeah, I uh, – well, Brandon, you go ahead. Yeah, same. I would do it. Um, honestly, I think um, it goes both ways. You know, if, if it was T.J. Warren that was on, we get him off the books. You get Gordon Hayward, who's got a massive contract off the books, and it gives you a chance to go after a pretty good um, free agent class that's coming up that a lot of guys haven't been paid mm-hmm. yet to resign with their team. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win either way. Yeah, I think that bringing – Hayward, obviously that contract is not good, but if I'm Indiana, I'm not afraid of it because it's three years left and this rebuild's going to take a while. And in a weird way, you mm-hmm. want someone who's going to, you, you have to take up some money with because then that makes it easier to rebuild because you don't want to overpay guys and you can have guys on uh, smaller contracts when you have someone who's taken up a bunch of cap space. We've seen teams do it before. We saw Oklahoma City do it with Al Horford. Al Horford's now a contributor. Chris Paul as well. Yeah, right. So it's a tactic we've seen employed. And I think it would be smart for Indiana. But we'll see. 
let's talk about symbol, folks. Symbol's fantastic, all right? Symbol, it's like the stock market for sports. It allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. And there are too many ways. I don't know if that's possible, but there's so many ways to make money off that. Uh, first, every team you own wins. You earn cash. So you can get that payout. Second, it's like the stock market. If you invest in a team, their value increases. Buy low, sell high. Simple as that. If you got an insider trading tip, I don't know what their policy is there, but if you know that that lung has collapsed, sell, sell, sell. If you know that, you know, the Charlotte Hornets are about to add Miles Turner, buy now. You know, stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, symbol, super cool new idea. And if you're interested, what you should do is use the promo code SD to make your first deposit risk free. That means even if you lose money or just decide it's not for you, they'll refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. All right. So now we're moving on to our next segment. And it's interesting because Kurt and I do our power rankings every week. And I think this is maybe one of the only teams in the NBA that is in our weekly power rankings. I'm going to go off on a limb and say that they're not on either of our lists this week. But the Miami Heat, they're having some problems. And uh, I don't know. I'm not quite pushing the panic button. Uh, but, Kurt, I feel like you've got a lot to say on this. So I'm going to give you the, the microphone here. I don't know if I have a lot to say. Um, I just wouldn't hit the panic button now just because, in my opinion, it's all injury-related. So right. Jimmy's been out a couple weeks, came back recently, I believe it was yesterday, uh, and then Bam got hurt. So Bam's out six weeks. Um, they're two most important players, Jimmy Butler, fourth in player efficiency rating in the league. Um, and then for what it's worth, uh, Markeith Morris is still out too. So four and 10 in their last 10 games, it's not looking good, but of course this is a short term. Uh, long term, as long as you have those two guys ready for the playoffs, as long as you still have that deep roster, uh, defensive juggernaut, top five defensive club in terms of opponents points per game. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Um, I think that, and I guess I'll say this just because I feel like the regular season is so devalued now. Like you don't have teams necessarily playing for high seeds. You don't necessarily have teams playing for home court advantage. You have teams playing like, okay, let's just get through 82 games and hope that we're the healthiest come playoff time. And then we'll just see, where everything goes from there. I think teams nowadays are playing for health as opposed to regular season stats, right. status, standings, whatever. So, you know, if this is the case in April, I'm hitting the panic button. In early December, no. Okay, that's fair. Um, I kind of am. I don't know if it's the panic button, but it's the this isn't good enough button. Bam's estimated to return January 12th. We don't know how accurate that's going to be, but it's four to six weeks as of today. That's what they're calling it. He's got a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his right thumb. Not fun. Uh, this guy is not the best player on the Miami Heat. I think that belongs to Jimmy Butler, but he's the most important. And I think he can make a damn strong case that he is the best player. He's got to be the best player soon. He's unbelievable. Uh, but the problem is like, what is there after Bam out of bio? A quick case in point. I play fantasy basketball. I have Bobby Portis. I knew that Dwayne Dedman was going to be on Bobby Portis. And if it wasn't Dwayne Dedman, it was going to be maybe Casey Akpala or 
PJ uh, Tucker, or maybe they try to put Jimmy Butler on there, who's out right now anyway. That's a problem. And Bobby Portis, who's a really good player, gobbled him up, 19.16 rebounds. But you can't have Bobby Portis doing this to you. I think that you need more depth in the front court. And so I actually think that as good as the Miami Heat are, I think that they need more depth at the front court before I can call them a contender. I can call them an A minus team, but championship teams, you got to be rocking at least an A. They're real close, but I don't believe in the build as much as I did a few weeks ago. And it took this out of bio injury to make me see that. I think one of the issues I've seen myself is, I mean, he, he had the one really bad standout game. I'm talking about Duncan Robinson, where he went 0 for 7, including 0 for 6 from 3. His only noticeable thing on his stat line was he had a steal and two fouls. And the the Heat, according to SpotRack.com, are, are paying him $15.5 this year, and then it keeps going up uh, as time goes on. And it's a five-year deal. He just signed it this offseason. Five years, $89.9 million. You can't have one of your go-to three-point type of shooters, the guy that you want to rely on outside of Tyler Hero to hit threes, be that bad. And I understand, again, it was one game. It's probably not going to be indicative of who he is as a player, but he's not averaging that much. He's not doing anything outlandishly spectacular that I've seen outside of you know, when he was lighting it up in the bubble. He's averaging just under 11 points per game. Uh, three and a half rebounds and 1.4 assists. He's not doing a lot to be a catalyst for this team. Obviously, like you guys mentioned, it's going to go through Butler and Adebayo more than likely. And But now with Bam being hurt, you're going to need some other guys to pick up the slack. I'm, I'm really curious to see if Duncan Robinson is the 24-point performance he had against the Pacers or if he's more of the 10-11 points per game that he had against Memphis and Milwaukee in the last two games. So he's been very streaky they gave him the deal because they didn't want him to leave but he hasn't been worth it so far this season it's a shame for the heat that they missed the boat on demarcus cousins because that's someone Mm -hmm. who would come in and fit like a glove but Dwayne deadman yes it's not going to cut it and um (laughs) yeah it's it's weird because you kind of look at the heat and you can see their identity and they have depth. Max Struess is a real nice player to be backing up Duncan Robinson. Hero's having a career year. I, I like Gabe Vincent. Like, There's more question marks about Duncan Robinson than we had the past couple years because of that inconsistency. But I still think that they have a really deep backcourt. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never been a huge P.J. Tucker guy. I get why people love PJ Tucker, but if your front court is Dwayne Dedman and PJ Tucker, and you're trying to get through the East and sure they'll, they'll get Bam back eventually, but playoffs, you kind of need some depth. I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to kind of survive that gauntlet without a little bit more size and physicality. Well, Duncan Robinson almost got Gabe Vincent killed on that uh, that Anthony Edwards dunk that they oh, called a, a charge. It was outrageous, but 
anyway, yeah. Duncan Robinson, bad defender. What do you think, Brandon? You're all about Bam out of bio. That's your guy. Oh, yeah. North Carolina, strong, um, new, new evolution of big man. Um, some would say undersized, but plays the five, can guard bigger than himself, just athletic enough to compete on the boards, blocks a lot of shots, has expanded the shooting touch, which is something that I definitely wanted to see from him um, over the last couple of years. And I think that he's just continued to progress at an extreme rate. Sure. Um, over the last three seasons. And um, he's been a two-time All-Star. He's earned it. Um, he got paid the big bucks, and I think he's lived up to it. Um, most of the time, pretty durable. And I think he establishes the toughness on that team. Absolutely. Him and Jimmy and Lowry, really. But yeah. can they do it without him? I, I absolutely don't think so. I, yeah. I, I don't think they can. I don't think they win it without Bam. Um, I don't think they get back. I don't think they get out of the I, – I don't even know if they get out of the first round without Bam, depending on the matchup. Like, yeah. that's tough. Um, Bam just causes so many problems, so many disruptions, and they're able to play fast because of his athletic ability. You put in a guy that at, at an, another five, like you said, Deadman or somebody like that, they're not going to be able to run the same pace that they're used to running. They're accustomed to running. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that's a tough loss, man. We're talking about one of the best defensive bigs in the league right now. I would, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. And the Heat will – they'll make moves. Pat Riley is an aggressive guy. Absolutely. And that Kyle Lowry pickup, people aren't talking about that enough, man. Like, you pretty much mm-hmm. just swap out him for Goran Dragic of, of that finals team. I mean, right. that's a that's a next-level type of pickup. And he fits right in. He's a dog. He guards. And he's going to be able to knock down threes. Well, are you hitting the panic button on the Heat yet? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. It's way too early. I mean, we're not even at the all-star break yet, right. fellas. I think it's way too early. Um, I agree what was said earlier about the injuries. Um, I think that they just got to get healthy. That's okay. the main thing. Yeah, they're still 14 and 11. Four and six in their last 10, but hey, 14 and 11. Yeah, like, they, they got to they gotta get healthy. That that should be their main concern. Yeah, I, I, I believe in the heat, but I believe they're fragile. And that's where it's going to get interesting. Get deep. You look at the contenders in this league, the Nets are deeper than a lot of people can give them credit for. The Bucks are very deep. DiVincenzo might come back this year. The Bulls are deep. The Bulls are, man, they're the wild card in that group because they're yeah. the ones that are shaking everything up right now. And I don't think that you want to see them in the first round. Hell no. You don't, <laughs> don't want to see them in any round. Like, that's just tough matchup. I think – if a healthy Heat team matches up pretty well for them, because you know you put Jimmy Butler on either Levine or DeRozan, like that's going to be a heck of a matchup. Um, I just that that's just a lot of punch to handle, though. That's a lot of athleticism. That's a lot of depth to handle. And I I don't know, man. I, I'm just not as huge of a fan as I was of the Nets without Kyrie in that lineup because I feel like that team was built for him to be there. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, go. Dig deeper. Tell me about that. Honestly, man, I'm, I'm speaking. I don't want to sound like a homer, but Kyrie Irving's my favorite player. I think he's the most skilled point guard in the league. I don't think he's the best point guard in the league, but I think he's the most skilled point guard in the league. Okay. You watch this guy. It's like you you imagine your favorite artist painting a picture. You, you imagine Mozart composing a symphony. And that's what Kyrie Irving looks like when he's playing basketball, man. It's just beautiful to watch. Um, I think without him, there's not a mu- as much scoring punch. 
Um, I think that is too much pressure on James Harden, who did lead them in assists, but Kyrie led them in points last year. So right. I think that was very interesting. Okay. Um, I like the rookie Cam Thomas. I think he's a complete bucket, scouted him in high school. I thought that he would um, – I mean, they put him in the G League for a game, and I think he went on went off for like 45 or something like that. So I thought that he would possibly get some of those minutes um, that they were, you know, alleviating, but I, I don't, I just, they're not the same team without Kyrie Irving. I think that they built this team to have a big three. I think that with all three of those guys, they're very hard to stop. It's hard to concentrate. I mean, we saw what the Bucks did when it was just Kevin Durant and James Harden. Yeah. You know, if Kyrie's there, I don't know if that series goes the same way because Drew Holiday's going to have to check him and that's another body. Yeah, that's fair. That's going to, be interesting uh, when Kurt and I get into our uh, power rankings. Now that is what next, what's next, but guys, I forgot to bring up my like monster trade. So I hate to do it, but we have to backtrack a little bit. <laughs> Not something that's normally done on the show. Usually we we're go, 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 but here's where DeMontis Sabonis should go. And this is going to change the next five years of the NBA, if not more. It's going to change the way we look at the year 2023 when it's the year 2043. And that is uh, the Golden State Warriors. Oh, man. So here's what I think happens here. The Golden State Warriors have a very good, with potential to be great, young asset in James Wiseman, who is getting comparisons to Chris Bosh as well as David Robinson going into uh, the NBA. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet, but the potential's there. I think, too, you got to look at a kid that's really already performing. It's Jordan Poole, who they could decide to move. Well, see, I, I don't think I, that's – and if they're Possibly. trying to ask, offer – if they're trying to ask that, that's going to be a completely different situation. But if I'm the Warriors, I'm saying, all right, take Jonathan Kaminga, take Moses Moody, Take James Wiseman, take some picks. Let Kuminga's us get some bonus. Kaminga's tough. He's in the G League right now. He's playing pretty well. I think he just hasn't carved out a role with the, the senior team, with the Warriors. They're they're really loaded right now. But Kaminga, man, I, as another kid that I saw in high school, I think that he's an NBA all-star level talent in the right position if he's molded right. You could be getting two all-stars for one. If you're not looking short-sighted with this, if you're the Indiana Pacers and Wiseman, I mean, could have been he was in the he was in the run. It was it was him, Melo, and uh, Ant Man for Rookie of the Year last year. It was a three-horse race until he went down. If Melo gets to play with, for Penny Hardaway for more than two games, maybe he is the number one overall pick. Yeah, Wiseman was a monster, man. He's a he's a game changer, and he's a legitimate like seven foot and moves really really well. Sabonis fits the Warriors. Yeah. I think what's interesting is you would have this weird situation where you just got a little bit worse shooting the ball. But I think the aspect of the words we don't talk enough about is passing. And you just added one of the best passing bigs in the game. For two guys that don't even play on the regular team and then Wiseman's been out, like you're not really losing a whole lot there. They got the one of the best records in the league. Without Wiseman even playing this year, Kaminga's in the G League. Mo- Moses Moody's a, a really good scorer that could provide some spark and the right opportunity, and he hasn't been playing either. I mean, the math checks out. Like, this one goes pretty seamlessly. I don't know if it's 
I, I think it is enough to ask for Sabonis too. I think that they're getting a hell of a haul back. And you talk about windows. The Pacers window, if they're rebuilding, is in the prime of Kaminga and Wiseman and Moody. Uh, or the Warriors window would be Sabonis right now. You know, Pacers come in with these three guys in the year you know, 2025, and they could be a solid team in the East. The Warriors just won the championship if they make this move. It's not close who's going to help you more right now, inserting James Wiseman or putting Sabonis into that lineup at center. I know that the trade machine checks out. I feel like you'd have to dump more if you're Golden State, though. Like, at least another body. I mean, like, I, I would do that if I'm both teams. because I think it's mutually beneficial. Indiana gets a lot younger. They get a lot deeper. But, like, I feel like the uh, Warriors would have to unload like a Wiggins or something on top of that too. Well, you throw Wiggins in his 31 mil. They're not doing that. If you're the Pacers? Well, it's just the math doesn't allow it to happen. You know? Because the Pacers would be over the cap? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll let me see. Uh, let me click if, in. If you throw that in there, because I, I pulled the trade, I have the trade up there too. If you throw in Wiggins, who's, currently making 31 and a half that would put them about 30 over what would be equal for the Warriors so the Warriors would have to get somebody back too so like a Karis LeVert and others and the thing is is I love this trade that you've concocted because it it puts all of the ages in the right type of realm like you guys were talking about if this could be the thing that helps the Pacers kind of emerge into a top three type of seed in the future if you can keep all these guys together, they maybe they get Karis Levert if he's able to stay healthy, re-sign him. He's on. He's got two years, but these guys, these other guys are three and four years. You got Sabonis for three years for the Warriors. He fits in with Thompson, Clay's three years, Draymond's three years. Steph just signed a you know five year extension, so you've got all these guys. I shouldn't say five year extension, but five extension to get to five years. Uh, this trade fits in all the ways that I think makes sense for both teams. And, you know, as much as the, the bodies might not work for, and, and Kurt's eyes, I, I think that just from the money standpoint, if you're, if you're gold, you have to make the call. I know that they may not be willing to, to trade the uh, Sabonis because like Kurt mentioned, he may be on the bottom of their willing to listen to, but if the Warriors want to make some type of splashy move, like we've seen them do in the past with when they got Wiggins and everybody went, what, what are they doing with that? And they've made him into a serviceable player. Yeah, your third option shooting 40% from three, man. You might as well go ahead and hang yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think uh, obviously you got the splash triplets now with Jordan Poole. We're looking just a few weeks in the future when Clay Thompson's back. Mm-hmm. Like, Clay Thompson, that's a tough road to recovery, but. It's not like the guy is going to come back and not be able to shoot a basketball. And that's my thing. I think the thing that people are going to be most worried about or concerned about is, is will that defensive ability come back? Because we're talking about one of the right. best perimeter defenders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that lateral movement going to look? Right. Because the shot, I guarantee you, he's going to come in, lighten it up from three. Yeah. But the lateral movement, his biggest asset to them outside of that was he always guarded the top perimeter threat on the other side. They need Clay Thompson back, not Peja Stoyakovich. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and he's not a slasher, so it's not like he's trying to cut to the basket or anything. I mean, he scored sixty points on eleven 
uh, dribbles once. So mm-hmm. we know he can shoot, but like you guys mentioned, it's all worrying about can he be that best two-way two guard that we know he could be before these back-to-back horrible injuries. Absolutely. So it would be Sabonis, Draymond, Wiggs, literally writing this down, Clay, Steph, who's <laughs> your six? And you're talking about Poole could be six man of the year. Six. Yeah. I mean, Wiggins playing, I think, the best basketball of his career right now. And he actually, like, mm-hmm. Wiggins knocked when he was in high school. He was another guy I scouted. Wiggins knock was like, people just felt like he didn't love the game of basketball. He was just out there playing. Like, Wiggins really got by off just physicalities, intangibles, athletic ability. But now the fact that he's kind of looking like he's harnessing his skill. I mean, did y'all see him hit the Penny Hardaway turnaround step back the other night? Like, he's really gotten into his bag in Golden State, and I'm loving it. Well, this is the first year because you saw him improve as a defender under Steve Kerr, much like you saw Kevin Durant develop as a defender. But now you're seeing him become more aggressive offensively, and that was the missing component of his game in my eyes. And he's also shooting the damn lights out I mean, right now. He's never shot this good. He's me. shooting 7% above his career average right now. He's shooting 41-6. Career average is 34-6. And that makes it work because you're going to have that much spacing around. Sabonis is an overrated three-point shooter, frankly. I was surprised the other day. I was playing somebody. Might have been a friend of the pod, Stefano, in 2K. And he keeps hitting these shots with Sabonis, and I'm giving him the looks. And then I'm like, why the hell is he hitting these? Because I keep an eye on his numbers. He's someone who's really been interesting for me the past few years. But he only shoots 28% from three right now. He's a career 32% shooter. And I'm rounding up on both of these. But I think what he brings to you as far as IQ, rebounding, 12 rebounds a game, the fact that he's a damn brick wall in the fact that he's a ready to dominate now kind of player. The Warriors are already in my eyes, the best team in the league. If they add a guy like this, geez, they just got right back to where they were with Kevin Durant. That's crazy that you could have Sabonis making 20 mil Steph making 46 Clay making 38, Wiggins making 31.5, and Draymond making 24, and the math checks out. Well, I don't know who Sabonis's agent is, but he the did. fact that he's only claiming like 20 mil is egregious. This yeah. guy's like a 35 guy. Come on. Well, the Warriors have a lot of cheap assets on the bench, too. Like the fact that Poole's only making 2 mil, Lee making 2 mil, Toscano Anderson 1.7. And then just a lot of cheap deals after that. I mean, they're like turning back the clock with the Miami Heat. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I couldn't not I mean, bring that you, up. <laughs> or go, go ahead, and, man. And you look at – sorry, you look at the other things that they've got too. Like Gary Payton II was a good-looking prospect coming out of Oregon State, but he was there was a lot of question marks whether he could do it or not. And he's been making all these highlight plays. Like I've – you know, as a Coug, I'm a, I'm a big Cougar, obviously, with Washington State, but I, I loved Gary Payton just watching him from afar. And now that I'm back in the state of Oregon, like just watching what he's doing with Golden State, I'm like, man, good for the kid, the son of the glove. Like he's doing all these great things. And he's like you guys mentioned, there's so much value in just them having guys to plug and play, 
go out, give me 10 minutes, give me 12 minutes, just give, just give us production and, you know, we'll move on from there. And they've got all these guys going on down the line that whether if you put them in any other system, I'm not saying they wouldn't work, but they wouldn't work as cohesively and as what seems like simple as they do with Golden State and Steve Kerr pushing all the right buttons. Absolutely. And that's the identity of the Steve Kerr Warriors is being cohesive. In a weird way, you Mm -hmm. saw that kind of a road with Kevin Durant. They were better with Kevin Durant. They were more cohesive uh, the year they won 73 games. But I think a piece like Sabonis, because I look at his game and he's someone who, if he was a little more aggressive or got a few more shot attempts, I think he'd be talked about the same way we talk about Bam Adebayo. I think they're the same level of goodness, if you will. But Sabonis never been that aggressive, but you put him in and you add a selfless superstar ability. I can't call Sabonis a superstar right now, but if he, if he was more aggressive, he'd be one. He's that damn good. And someone who's, he's just quiet. He's a lunch pail guy. Exactly. And you can make an argument the best in the league as far as lunch pail guys go, a genius passer. And he wasn't seven, three, two ninety or whatever, like his dad, but he's a load to handle down there and growing up around the game. He knows every trick in the book and much like his dad, that high IQ that knowing where every single player on the floor, it makes everyone around you better. Can you imagine how much better Steph Curry and Clay Thompson would be when you don't have Draymond green on the floor? You have Sabonis. It would be just as unfair, like you were talking about. It would be just as unfair as what we saw. Now, obviously, he's not Kevin Durant, but having five guys that are all-star caliber in the starting lineup would just be insane. Ridiculousness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Brandon, Matt, uh, we're about to pretty much kick you off, as me and Kurt do, our, uh, our power <laughs> rankings. And so this is your chance. Hey, a pleasure to be here. Any closing closing thoughts? Absolutely. You guys want to get into anything else? I'm good. I'm kind of. I kind of don't. Uh, I kind of don't agree with the Zabonis to Bam. I think they're two different players. Okay, but, sure. Uh, this is why we ask know, these questions. You know, you know, I think uh, offensively, Bam's better defensively. Not absolutely. Close. It's not even close. Yeah. But also, I think Zabonis. The thing about him is he's a walking triple double, and so. he's a damn good defender. So. so, so it's pretty exciting. I think he's one of those Gonzaga guys. Like I'm a big fan of uh, Zach Collins as well. Guys, if you just don't expect to translate that well. Oh, I know Kurt's blood pressure just raised. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, at least he's out of Portland now. But, no. Um, yeah, man, I, I I like Zabonis, though. But I'm also a fan of Draymond Green. I mean, they've won multiple rings with him. You know, that chemistry is just kind of unbreakable. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would be a good move and they would get a lot back from it. Hell, yeah. I wanted to ask Kurt one question. We were talking about uh, the Celtics a little bit. We were talking about, you know, Jalen Brown and, and, and everything with that. Do you, Kurt, I'm, I'm very curious. Do you think that the the Celtics look a little bit like the Blazers did at one point? Obviously, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are taller, and, and they have, I think, co- they're they're better as a tandem maybe than Damon CJ are at times. But does it? do you think they're similar in terms of Damon CJ and, and Tatum and Brown in terms of they're not going to be enough to carry the team to a final championship? Or do you think that 
maybe they are enough and, and they just need the right pieces. Oh, no, the Celtics need way more help. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you need like another Tatum or another Brown, you need like three of them, yeah, total. I mean, like, because that's because that's what I was thinking is that it's not that I think they're comparable in the sense that, like you said earlier, I completely agree with you. The Blazers are not going to win a championship with their two best players being Dame and CJ. They are even their three best being Dame, CJ, and either Powell or Nurkic. They need somebody else. And I was just curious how you felt with the Celtics because they, they sort of seem parallel to me in that you've got a really good backcourt and nothing else. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, the Celtics got a lot deeper this year, but again, like True. only carries you so far. So yeah, I think the Celtics need to add like another big piece. And that's another issue with the Celtics. They are, you know, they, they are very similar in Portland with Portland in terms of like, they're not going to bring in a big free agent. Like Dennis Schroeder has been playing really well recently, but he's not going to put you over the top. Uh, I really like the addition of uh, Richardson. He's been really good, but again, like these aren't mm-hmm. like, these are complimentary pieces. These are nice guys who can come in, get some burn contribute, but they're not going to knock off Brooklyn. They're not going to knock off the bucks. Right. Um, I mean, if, whoop that ass. If, if Philly ever figures their shit out, like, that you know Philly's also better than than Boston too. Yeah. So unless they meet up in the playoffs and the Celtics smack them, but yeah, it's I don't know the the Celtics are they're they're trending in the right direction for sure. But I've been talking with Adam for like months on the podcast and like there's only a few teams that can like legitimately win a title, and I, I put the number at like four or five teams. Yeah. Like yeah, everyone has their issues. Yeah, everyone could. Numbers at six for me, Kurt, but I'm yeah. right there with you. It's like there's a handful of teams that could make a run, but a lot would have to go right. Or, you know, if you if you make a trade here, a signing here, you draft a guy here, like, yeah, that could put you in the right direction or put you over the top. But, like, legitimately, you know, the the Nets, the Bucks, if the Heat are healthy, I, I'd put them in that category. And then out West, obviously, Warriors, Phoenix. And you're going to hate me for this, Adam. I'm the only one in this boat. But damn it, until LeBron gets eliminated, I will not count that man out. <laughs> so, like, I, I kind of put the Lakers in that category as well until they get eliminated from the playoffs. It's okay. He put us through a lot of fan trauma as Bulls and Celtics <laughs> fans. It's rough. Um, Celtics-Lakers tonight. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I, uh, I got a few bucks on the uh, Celtics. So it's going to see how it goes. I did that before I knew Jalen Brown was out. So I'm really nervous. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, before we let you guys go, Matt, tell everyone where they can follow you on social media. Uh, I'm on every place. You can find me at Zimcaster. It's the first three letters of my last name. And the last bit is for, you know, broadcaster. So Zimcaster, Z-I-M-C-A-S-T-E-R. You can find me Twitter, Instagram, everything. Mostly Twitter is where you'll want to find me, though, because that's where I'm always talking about sports stuff. Uh, but working on getting a website going, podcasts as well, just uh, uh, issues with the internet, which is never helpful when you're trying to, you know, post things to the internet. So uh, so working on that. But right now, that's where you can find me. I just followed. At least Thank you very much. Game. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we try to have at least one guy for every team in the league. So now we got our Portland guy. 
Uh, now to our uh, Charlotte Hornets guy, Brandon, where, where can we find you? Oh, yeah, definitely check me out, Brandon Lee TV. If you are in North Dakota, check me out on KBRR News <laughs> as well, uh, on, on air covering all the sports here. But definitely uh Carolina guy through and through, uh, Brandon Lee TV, tweeting all things sports, y'all. Hoops Dramas just followed you. So that's that's great. Y'all are getting those followers. And hey, getting the follow another one. You better follow what, back. Though. Another one. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, time for some power rankings. All right. Uh, Kurt, my buddy, here we are. Getting into the power rankings here. Um, who's your number five? I have the Utah Jazz. Uh, six, uh, sitting at 16 and seven on the season, uh, second in point differential, they're second in points per game, sixth in opponents points per game, eight and two in their last 10. I know that there's a lot of redundancies with our list because unless you have like a, a team that's really streaking and is going to fly up our boards or a team that is just going to be a disaster and fall down, I feel like most of the comments are going to be pretty consistent. So I don't know how, uh, how long-winded we're going to be on these power rankings. Probably not too long. I, I immediately was like, oh, we have the same list again. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I have one new team in there. Okay. So, yeah. But for the most part, relatively the same. Uh, Utah Jazz just still doing well. No reason to kick, kick them out. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm at with them. Uh, they're num- my number four. They're the Jazz. They're really good at shooting the ball. They're really good at playing defense. Those things are both very important. Uh, another team that has that identity is my number five, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, interested to see how this DeMarcus Cousin thing, how that goes. I don't, I don't know. Uh, someone who kind of jeopardized chemistry at certain points in his career. So it's going to be interesting. But Giannis just turned 27 yesterday in a game he scored 27. He averages 27 on the year. They're going to continue to get more healthy. Uh, the whispers and the wins are that you could have a return of Dante DiVincenzo. He'd make them a hell of a lot better. Bobby Portis is showing everyone who Bobby Portis is. Uh, the dude's really having – like, he's developing. He's developing into – not just like, oh, yeah, this guy's like solid. No, like Bobby Portis is a damn good basketball player at this point uh, in what, what he's doing with 15 points, nine rebounds, and just steps in. And he is better than Brooke Lopez, in my opinion. I think he should be the starting five. Obviously, Lopez is going to be out. We don't even know how long. But I look at Bobby Portis right now, and I'm like, okay, you're taking a big step, aren't you? Uh, I really liked him with the Bulls. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find his per 36 numbers because I bet they're really damn good because his per game numbers, I don't think he's, yeah, he's only playing 28 a game, but he's shooting 40% from three, 15 points a game, nine rebounds, almost a steal a game. He's getting his block a game, shooting a reasonable field goal percentage. And he fits that Milwaukee Bucks identity by just being someone who's going to knock down threes and uh, play really good defense pretty much all over the floor. Like, he's going to get cooked by Steph Curry on the perimeter like he did the other night, but he's going to do what he's going to do. I have the Bucks as my number four team, so it's a perfect segue. Uh, yeah, the injuries to Lopez and DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo uh, still there. 
Um, but I think at the same time, as you mentioned, that's elevated Bobby Portis, that's elevated Grayson Allen. They have more burn. They have a, a, a more of an ability to contribute uh, now that there's more minutes there. And then when Lopez and DiVincenzo come back, uh, I think that Portis and Grayson Allen will probably have a little bit of a, like a lesser role, I guess you could say. But they're still going to be critical pieces to them. So the fact that they've won 10 out of their last 11 uh, with those injuries to role players I guess that that is uh, absolutely an encouraging sign for them. And then you're looking at Giannis and obviously one of the best players in the league, but third in scoring, sixth in, sixth in rebounds, second in player efficiency. He's just like, I don't, I don't want to say quietly putting up numbers, but I think that we're at a point now where we're just taking his production for granted. Right. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Because at this point we're like, yeah, he's one of the all-time greats, or at least that's where I'm at. Yeah, and just putting up numbers that you don't see from everyone, which is why he's one of the best players in the league. But you kind of just come to expect it, and then he just gets better and better and better. And at the beginning of the season, he was hitting the three consistently. He's definitely been working on his long-range game as well as his mid-range. So as long as he solidifies that, you know, good luck defending him. Good luck getting him by him on the offensive end because he's an elite defender. No holes to his game, really, except for the jump shot and the free throws. And he seems to be figuring out at least the uh, the mid-range and the long ball a little bit more. You can't make a drastic uh, change overnight, but he's progressing there. You know, his, his value is only getting up, you know, going up, and he's only getting better and better. Last five games, he's shooting 43% from three, shooting yeah. 30% from three uh, on the year. Like, yeah, it's going to get better. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite three-point shooter, but I think all the Bucks need from him. I mean, they don't even need this from him. This is a bonus. You know what I mean? Like what they have is plenty enough. You know what I mean? But it's like the, the threat from distance too. Like you exactly. don't necessarily, it's, it's kind of like Simmons where, you know, just the fact that he, if he got to the point where he was taking those and, you know, maybe he knocks down a couple, you kind of think, oh shoot, has this kid figured it out? Has I he- have to guard him. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like a lot of times with uh, Giannis, at least in the playoffs where he's been facing the Celtics, they've just sagged off him and allowed him to kind of just drive in where they can collapse the paint and contest at the rim. Before, they didn't care about him shooting threes or, you know, those 18 footers. But now it's like, okay, is this something we're going to have to worry about? So at least it keeps the defense on their toes and keeps them honest. Yeah. It's Santa Claus season and Giannis bag just keeps getting bigger, man. Now he's walking up into these three point shots. It's going to be a problem. Uh, I did find the Bobby Portis per 36. So quickly it's 19 points, 12 rebounds per 36 minutes. And a dude shooting 40% from three. That's, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. And he's 610. Yeah. And he is mean. He almost, I mean, he sent Nikola Miricic back to Europe one way or another. He broke his face. He broke his face, and with a broken face often comes broken spirits, and that's what happened. The dude packed up, and he went back to Europe because his teammate punched him in the face. And, you know, crazy eyes Portis, he's scary. He's scary. And now they got DeMarcus Cousins. He's scary. They got two Giannis, or they got Giannis and uh, Kostas, right? That's the one who's over there? Uh. Thanasis. Thanasis. Kostas is in LA. Right, right. Yeah, they got two Antetokounmpo's. Scary, man. Scary. Grace Allen's scary. My trip you. <laughs> <laughs> Enforcers, tough guys. Exactly. Not fake tough guys, real tough guys. Real tough guys. Uh, number three for me, 
It was only a matter of time before they got back in this list. Nikola Vucevic is back, and the Bulls won four in a row. Uh, they just beat the Nets again, and that's why the Nets are number six on my list, and the Bulls are on the list, not an honorable mention. Uh, we'll see how the Nets do tonight against Luka Doncic. They're currently down uh, 10, halfway through the third. But the Bulls at 17 and 8, right behind uh, the Nets for the best record. But you know I love this statistic, the differential. They have the best differential in the East at 4.8. And they're holding teams to just 104.8 points per game. The only two teams in the East who are better there are the Cavs and the Heat. And the Cavs, a lot of that has to do with their pace. Now, the Bulls are running and gunning and holding you to 104.8. I wish Ken Pomeroy was doing NBA analysis, too, because I want to see what his adjusted defensive metric would be there. So I I have the Bulls as my 16. And reason for that is I love – so. Full transparency, I have Brooklyn at three. I okay. believe I have the same 3-2-1 as I had two weeks ago the last time we did this. Um, DeMar DeRozan out with COVID. So I'm kind of just looking ahead. Okay, sure, sure. The, the Bulls will fall a little bit. Also, and I know we're looking back a little bit here, but they lost to the Rockets and they lost, yeah. to, the, yeah, and they they lost to, to, to the Pacers. So, um Uh, You know, the the Bulls will stick around. I imagine they'll be back on my list here. But what I really like about Brooklyn, and this is kind of the reason I have them so high, is I really like the offensive production that they're getting out of LaMarcus Aldridge after sliding him into the starting lineup. He has been phenomenal for them just overall this season, but certainly in that starting role. So I don't know if the heart condition got better. I don't know if it was all a bunch of nonsense uh, beforehand, but he's like, you know, not the same L.A., as he was in Portland. But I mean, when you're talking about 20 points, uh, what was it the last game and then 13, the game before I'm going to try to pull up his stats as quickly as possible here, but just looking at what he's done so far this year, 24 minutes, 57% from the field and 14 points a game, which is exactly what they needed offensively. Cause they're not going to get that out of uh, Blake Griffin nowadays. So I, I have in my notes here, like quietest 16 and 17, like of all the problems that we've talked about with them, of all the James Harden is Rockets, James Harden, that, you know, they're nine games over 500. Yeah. They're getting better. KD still first in scoring and fifth in player efficiency. They're still there. Yeah, there's question marks. But as long as you have Harden and KD rocking with you, I'm not going to count them out. And again, Kyrie still hasn't seen a single minute on the floor this year. Well, maybe they'll just trade for Russell Westbrook. I mean, at this point, like Kyrie is contributing contributing absolutely nothing. So yeah, yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trade for Westbrook to blow the whole thing up. No, they're gonna have a reunion, man. Give you yeah, 2012. Jeff Green's game. coming. Yeah, <laughs> but Allison's yeah. coming out of retirement. Kendrick oh, Perkins. They're oh just gonna goodness. be the Thunder again. I was gonna say, who was even on that roster? Thabo Cephalosha. Great defender. Great defender. Uh, oh, right. how could I forget Daquan Cook? Daquan. Baca, Reggie Jackson, Eric Maynard, Nazi Muhammad. Love me some Nazi Muhammad. Derek Fisher. Nazi Muhammad, not a fake tough guy. Real tough guy. Real tough guy. Real tough guy. Uh, so you have the Suns number two and the Warriors number one. I do. 
Me too. <laughs> and who's your number three? The the Bulls, you said. Yeah, the Bulls, I got number three. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, quickly with two and one here. Um, you know, Phoenix, they didn't lose in the month of November. Really impressive. What is that? 17-game win streak is what they got up to. Yeah. Um, everyone's so. healthy. Tied for the best record in the league. No shame. They got to 18. It was 17 or 18. It was something stupid. Yeah, no shame in losing to Golden State to end that streak, but that's why I have Golden State above them, despite having the same record. Golden State's won nine of the last 11, best record in the league, destroyed Phoenix. Yeah, it was 18 games. Yeah, 18, okay. So, and that's, I mean, not that I had reservations with your your Sabonis trade, because I do think that that kind of alleviates some of the confusion in terms of rotation and, okay, do we develop the young guys? How much burn do they get? Because Clay and Steph are obviously the better players. But at the same time, it's like if you're 20 and four, everything's working. You're running out these lineups where you have versatility, you have legs, you have speed. Um, you know, why fix it if it's not broke? Yeah. Although, although yes, I would do that trade if I'm both teams, but at the same time, I could see why the Warriors would have some reservations. They'd be like, well, everything's working. We got the best record in the league. Why would we touch it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too. Uh, Sabonis would help for three years down the road too. You know, it's not just like if you put them in here and it goes to, to crap that you're like, ah, we just jeopardize our entire future. No, I mean, he'll be there for the next three years if you do make that trade. So you could still figure some things out, but I mean, like, I I think that trade would be phenomenal for both teams, for sure. But, again, I could see why Golden State would be like, everything's working. Don't touch it. Yeah. Devin Booker should return soon. The Suns are the same team that went to the finals. The Warriors are better. (laughs) (laughs) The Warriors are just better. (laughs) Like, I think that that's going to be a fun Western Conference Finals. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just gonna put it at that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I hope it's like that. Just because a healthy Warriors team, there's nothing more fun than watching them. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you have people who say, "Oh, Steph ruins basketball," and all these haters because Golden Those people State are wrong, Kurt. Those people are wrong because Golden State was running the league for like what five years. The '60s Celtics ruined basketball, Kurt. The '60s yeah. Celtics because they won. The yeah. 90s Bulls ruined basketball because then all these kids grew up and they wanted to fly through the air like a damn bird or a plane. They ruined basketball by flying around so much and being so dominant. That's not – the game's not meant to be dominated, okay? And Shaquille O'Neal ruined basketball because all these kids wouldn't stop eating Big Macs because they wanted to be seven foot one and 400 pounds and just back people down. And now, they're, now we have an obesity problem in America because of Shaquille O'Neal. And Kobe Bryant ruined basketball because he tried to be Michael Jordan. And he was flying around. And you know what? The Warriors ruined basketball too. Because what did they do? Shoot a bunch of threes from from forever away. Man, I'm so t- sick of basketball being ruined by really good basketball. It's so annoying to me. All these all these basketball players ruining basketball for 60 years. I will say James Harden ruined basketball. <laughs> they fixed the rules. Yeah, they they fit well, I mean, but before all that. Yeah, like when you just drive into the lane and you flail your arms and you fall down and you hope to get eight free throw attempts a game, that's ruining basketball. That's taking advantage of the rules. I'm glad they cleaned it up. I saw a conspiracy theory on Reddit that he's trying to grow that beard so long that someone will step on it 
and then they'll call him foul. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah, could be. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> Neither would I, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's all I got, man. That's all I got today. You got anything else? Uh, don't think so. Getting excited to uh, watch this Celtics-Lakers game in about 50 minutes as we record on December 7th. Beautiful. Uh, this should probably be up by the time you're listening. December 8th. I'll post it up later tonight. Uh, thank you for that, Brandon, for hopping on. Thank you, as always, Kurt. We'll see you next time. Happy hooping.